0: Hey, so, uh, so I, mentioned, I mentioned last week that as we, as we go along these weeks, Beth Hashem, you know, learning different ideas and, you know, touching on different uh, subjects within the Mashielach, within Ishbitz. So I'm going to try to connect each one to Purim, because I don't want to, you know, have to, you know, pay attention to this man that we're in. So uh, that's what we're going to do this week. So, so what we're going to learn tonight is something that's about really about Purim but it's also about taking the concepts that we've been learning the past couple weeks and moving on to the, next, uh, to the next level, hopefully. Okay, so if you take a look at uh, the first Marmachim you have, this is from a paragraph from the in uh it's, uh it's in the first volume of Mea Shilayach, on Mesechus Megillah. So is a, it's is a sefer on Chumash primarily, but in the back of each volume it has stuff, uh, different pieces on Gemaras and things like that. Uh, so there's a piece on uh, Masechus Megillah. So he writes the following thing. So he's talking about, if you think about it, it's one of those things that, again, we're so used to Perm and these Yom Taifun that was sort of, we take it for granted. We don't necessarily think about how it fits. But the question that he's dealing with is the two of the main mitzvahs that we have on Perm are Mishlai uh, Chmanes, right? Shalachmanes and Matanesavyayim. So the question he's dealing with is that how exactly does that fit? in the picture of Purim like why when Chazal okay we we experienced this miracle that Haman was planning on destroying us and you know uh, killing every single Jew God forbid and it didn't work out Baruch Hashem and Ben everything turned on its head like and, and Chazal and the response to that is we understand okay Simcha get it okay being alive Simcha reading the Megillah makes sense I don't know if those are things that we would think of to be Masakin as a response to that miracle. So that's the question he's dealing with. Why did Chazal find it so appropriate to be mistaken in these two things, of giving gifts one to another and uh, gifts to a poor person? <coughs> Why these two takanas right after the miracle? So he says like this, So the way he's going to go about answering this is by really opening up a bigger discussion, which is as follows. When it comes to Purim, Again, yeah, there's so many things about Purim that are hard to pinpoint who exactly is the enemy of Purim so most obvious, okay? Haman, Haman's the bad guy and Haman's from Amalek so Amalek is the bad guy but the truth is this is not happening the story of, of, of Purim if it's so hyper-focused on Amalek as being the enemy so you would think like Hashgacha would work it that it would take place in the land of Amalek and the king would be in Amalek but it's not like that Haman was the uh, <coughs> top advisor and so on, and he was from Amalek for sure, and when we read Pasha as preparations; it's definitely Amalek, but Lamasa, it's also in the land of Persia, and the king was Persian. So somehow there's got to be some connection between what, what paras, what Persia means in terms of, uh, of the enemies of the Jewish people, and Amalek. So that's what he's going to be dealing with over here. How do, we, how do we put those two things together, Persia with Amalek. Amalek on a certain level is, is a chameleon. Amalek can fit into everything. Even, I mean, literally, even in Chumash, after Aaron HaKlein's death. So we know that the Amalekim attacked us, but they dressed up like Ganana. So there's, an, there's a gracious guy in Amalek. There's a quality of Amalek being just the beginning that leads into any particular nation. So they have the ability of sort of, you know, putting themselves into any particular situation. But, this, but Purim, therefore, really is Amalek, as it's being manifest in Persia. So how do we make sense of that? What does Persia mean? So he says like this, Ki Navira, the city of Shushan, Haisa Be'elam Hamadinas was part of a much, the, the, the capital city was Shushan, it's part of, part of a larger district uh, that was called Elam, in the major empire of Persia, but the district was called mm-hmm. Elam. Mm-hmm. <coughs> now, in order to appreciate, therefore, what Persia is about, and why Shushan and so on, the Hizmetzer identifies what's the Indian of this, District that's called Elam. Elam, he quotes the Gemara Pesachim. It's interesting. Elam zachsa lilmid, v'le zachsa lalame. Kedisa Pesachim. The Gemara Pesachim Pezayim and Alf tells us that the city of Elam, the Jewish community of Elam, the Gemara says were worthy. They had the schus. There was something in the air in that place of Elam that gave them the, the schus or the ability of learning, but not the schus of being able to teach. People of Elam were good learners, but not good educators. And the Gemara in Psachim quotes, The Gemara references this Pesach in regards to Elam. The pasuk says in Shir We have a sister, but she's too young to be able to nurse. Okay, So you see such a quality, says the Gemara, That's a reference to the, city, to the district of Elam. That the people of Elam are able to learn, But they're not able to teach. So what, what does that tell you? So now the Ish-betser pinpoints it more. paras Because if you want to pinpoint what the essence of paras is, uh, what's the poison, what's the Tuma of Persia and the specific nature of that nation that obviously is very relevant to Purim, hu midas tzaras It's the midah of being stingy, of being stubborn, of being stuck, of not being willing to share. The opposite of the concept of sharing of, of one holding back tsaros ayin. The therefore Therefore, even the Jewish people living in Elam were affected by the airspace of that of that of that country of Persia, to such a degree that even in their learning, there's a certain tsaros ayin. There's a certain inability of expanding, of moving beyond, of of moving beyond the self. They're able to learn, but they can't teach. Ahin. Therefore, when Chazal were able to to uh, investigate properly at the time of Pur, uh, time of Purim, where even though initially it strikes you as like, okay, this is an issue of Amalek. Uh, and it's Haman trying to destroy the Jewish people, which is a classic Amalek thing of trying to wipe out the Jewish people. But Chazal investigated deeper, and they said, okay, but this is not happening in Amalek. There's something, there's something Persian about this. This is this is Haman in the land of Persia. And once they were able to be Aymed, to realize that the root of the Gezer of Haman was really coming from a Persian Toma, which is about Tsar Ayan, the inability to share and to move on and to be... Uh, Stingy and and, and not giving So he says like this (coughs) When Chazal were able to To investigate truly what the Gzairah of Haman was about Where where is it growing from? Where is it coming from in its root? And they got to the absolute truth It's coming from a tumma. Of, of 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 again it's hard to find the right words to sign uh, stinginess um uh, a withholding a withholding umiyar and once chazal, once it clicked that that's the Indian that already uh, this is something that with is throwing in the print in like you know he's throwing at berhagav once they realize what the real issue was Mimela they found the solution to it. Like, you know, understanding the problem is half the answer, half the solution. Sometimes, uh, you know, when we, we don't really identify what the core issue is, so we get caught up in the, in the you know, in the, um, uh, what should we call them in the secondary things and the repercussions of it and so on, the, the symptoms. But if you get down to the core of what it is, mamela, that's already close to solving the issue. Therefore, Chazal, as a response to Purim, they were misa'kin mm-hmm. shtei mitzvahs elu, these two mitzvahs of Meshlech mm-hmm. Monas and Metanas of yainim. asher shor'shan hitoy v'sayin. The root of these mitzvahs is to combat the origin of where Purim, the problem of Purim is coming from, which is stinginess and withholding. So they, they were misa'kin, Meshlech Monas and Metanas of which is the opposite, which is about giving. There's a Bishwitzer, okay. There's a parallel, I mean, again, there's a classic uh, piece where... Everything is readable. There's no kabbalistic jargon over here. It's not like uh, he's not hiding anything. But uh, what do we, we? Where do you see Tsarassaiyan? That that's that's the root of LaHashm L'Alabed. Where do you see by the Jewish people there was a stinginess? That's uh, where is there any stinginess in Parah? I mean, there's no. Doesn't seem to be like that at all. If anything, Haman is is very giving, right? He's spending a lot of money on this party, inviting everyone to the party. Uh, I don't see any stinginess there. You know, there's other issues, but the stinginess. But th- th- that—that's why it was so—it was so—it was so—it was so difficult for Chazal to pinpoint what the issue is, because that's always the klal. Again, we'll find this, Blessed Hashem, in coming weeks in Ishbitz also that the side of impurity always, whatever it really is about, it always pretends to be the opposite. You know, so it's always going to be the opposite. So the fact that in Purim, Achashverosh is the most giving king, right? Uh, that's a facade. The truth is, he's the most selfish and the most tsarassayin. Which, again, you see it come up with the, with the, him trying to find a new queen. There's definitely a certain uh, the, the opposite of, of uh, this uh, the opposite of giving. But um, but anyway, so so that's what the that's what are saying. So he's pinpointing that the issue is tsarassayin, the and therefore the response is moshlech manat manatansalviana. But again, we have to figure this out. What, what exactly does that mean? How is Amolek related to that? Because again, we can't ignore the fact that it's also Haman. So to figure this out, in what way... So, so in other words, you have this quality that Persia has, which is stinginess, but there's a certain type of tsarasayan that is a Molek tik tsarasayan. Because again, as I said, a Amolek is something that's, that that can be... it can fit into any particular nation. So there's a certain type of stinginess, which is just pure Paras. But there's a certain type of stinginess and a withholding that's a Molik wearing the stinginess of Paras. And that's what Param is. So let's begin to identify that. Okay. So let's put that to the side position and we'll get back to it soon. Okay, let's let's look in, in, in the writings of Ishbits to identify what a is about. Well, what's a What's a so, the truth is, I think we find a little bit of a contradiction what a malik is. And we'll see this is related to what we've been talking about the past couple of weeks. Take a look at Marmukh number two. Okay? So, in Parashas B'Shalach, the Meshalach makes the following observation. So, he's talking about right after Kalyasur Lev Mitzrayim. So, we know that Pare chases us, and we're standing by the Yamsuf, and we begin to dave in Tashem, ta Meshur Tashem. Ta and the Rabbanishman says to Moshe, what are you dave for? Just, you know. Just uh, trust me, right? And, uh, and Hashem says to My HaBeinu, we'll send the message to the Jewish people. Hashem, Hashem is fighting your war. Atum tachrish, and you be silent. You just sit back and, and watch the show. That's what the Rabbin Hashem says to Meishu so He said the Egyptians like this. When we were threatened by the Egyptians, the Rabbin Hashem told us that our proper response is to do nothing. That's what we were told to do. Don't do anything. V'haf even davening. Lo Don't even daven. Like, Mamish, do nothing and purely just rely on God. He's going to take care of it. And that's what you have to do to respond to the threat of Mitzrayim. But said the Yishvitzar, Mechem is Amalek, in the same parsha at the end, when Amalek attacks us, Nimsalahapa. It's the opposite response. Shenemar, what does it say over there? It doesn't say that everyone just sat back and waited for Hashem to help. No, no, no. Maishu Rabbeinu told Yushu none say, you know, go, you know, develop an army, go fight against Amalek, and even Maisha, who is not physically waging the war, says, <laughs> his hands are lifted up, he's davening, everyone is, is active when it comes to fighting Amalek. So this is the question that he's dealing with. Why is it that when it comes to Mitzrayim, it seems that our reaction is supposed to be inactivity. When it comes to Amalek, the response is activity. What's the difference? Achin <laughs> Mizeh. So, the concept is as follows. There's an essential chilik between what a is about, how a mulek attacks the Jewish people spiritually, and how other nations of the world attack us. Every other nation, again, each one in its own way, but to sum it all up, what all other nations, again, each nation in terms of being a Yitzhar inside of us, again, we're not talking about just the physical nation, but what it means within the soul, within the heart. So, every other nation, their, their way of attacking the Jewish soul is oymrim that they they poison us with a sense. It's with good old fashioned apikarsis. Uh, the Rebbeinu Shem was not in charge. He's not in charge. He's not watching. He's not paying attention. If you want anything to be done in this world, it's only because of you. Ain ha kol Nothing is in God's hands and everything that's good that comes to your life, it's, it's purely based on you. It's your own strength and your own ability that brings you success. And if there's difficulties in your life, and there's failures in your life, it's also completely on you. It's not God. All there is is you. That's, what the, that's, the, that's a good old-fashioned simple Yitzhara. So now when the Jewish people are, are confronted with our first battle, with, with Mitzrayim, which is one of the 70 nations, not just one of the 70 nations, in a certain sense, one of the, the, the first uh, malchus that the Jewish people had to contend with, Nitzdavu laHachresh. So the, 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 Mitzrayim, as one of the 70 nations, the way they attack us is by telling you that what, the Rav is not in charge, he's not here, it's, just, it's all you, it's all nature, it's just all you. So what's our response? Our response is the opposite. Our response is, no, 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 it's all God. It's all God. Therefore, the response was, Hainu No, 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 the opposite. That's, the Rabba, we believe in, we have a Muna, We believe in the Rabbanu Shalom. We believe in Hashkach HaPratis. We believe that he gives us the strength. It's all him. And that's how we conquer Mitzrayim. That, that's what, it, on a spiritual level, that was our way of fighting against Mitzrayim. By the Jewish people, we have this mevinus. We have this expertise to know to realize that no, the Rabbanim Hashem is taking care of everything. The gam and to such an extreme that even davening, any in brach, even to daven, I can't daven unless Hashem wants me to. That's how completely dependent I am with Hashem. That Hashem is in charge of everything. My atzlacha, my my failure is my ability to daven. It's all beyond Hashem, and that's the response to Mitzrayim. Who tries to convince you, like Paris said to Meshach I don't know who God is that I should listen to him. I'm in charge. I'm, I created the Nile. I'm in charge of, I'm a God. So our response is, no, no, you're, you're not a God. There is a God and he's in charge. That's all in our conflict with Mitzrayim. That's why in Mitzrayim, the response is, you be quiet and let God do everything. That's how you fight against Mitzrayim. Avobah like. It says the Yisritzer, but Amalek is the exact opposite. Amalek is a much more religious Yitzhahara. Shunikar Yisroel Mumar, Chazal in a few places, call Amalek, the original, the, the person Amalek, the great-grandson of, of Esav, mm-hmm. so he's called Yisrael Mumar, which means uh, there's something about him that actually looks kind of Jewish. It's not, but the, there's some, something there that actually looks authentic. Who <laughs> A is a klipa that what that says everything is rabbanish laila, which sounds very religious. That everything is Yeah, we also believe in that. Now, but the way a says it is Shaimer kol harashu who brought hashamis barach. A does not believe. <coughs> Amalek denies bechira. A denies free will. A denies responsibility. A poisons us with so much amuna with so much amunah, that everything is in God's hands to such a degree that whatever you feel is automatically the way you should be living. The way you should be living. Because if it wasn't God's will, you wouldn't be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to think it. You wouldn't be able to do it. So whatever you think and whatever you do is obviously meant to be, you don't have any power at all. It's all completely beyond Hashem. You're you're completely um, trapped in a good way in God's universe, that's the universe you're in, and there's nothing you can do to get out of it. Which means, so just do whatever it is that you want to do, because automatically that's in God's universe. The negdoi, so to respond to Amalek who so we go the opposite. What we show is be that it's true we believe in God, but we all, but we believe in bechiru, we believe in free will, and we believe that the fear of heaven, which means. Avoid this Hashem. the is within our power. For them, The human being has to work, has to and has to do a mitzvah. And there's a sense of responsibility. So when it comes to Mitzrayim, the toma of mitzraim, the, the, the same of the other seventy nations, is what is a toma of there is no God. So our response is no, no, no. It's all God. But a molek the Tum of a molek is all there is is God. To such a degree that there's it's completely irrelevant what you do. To that, the response is no, 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 no. It's very relevant what we do. The Rabbanah Shalom created us with Bechir and so on. That's what that's, he says. Okay, so that's what we're going to go to. So, in other words, if we had to identify it. So, last, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about this idea how Ishbet reveals to us how there are, you know, the, 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 the Torah that we have is really divided into, into I, I guess you can say it into a number of, di- two basic dimensions. There's the dimension of Torah as it fits in, in our world, as, as we read it, as we see it, which means the Pasuk says, And as we've been talking about, there's only one way to experience that, which is to keep Shavs properly, and that's completely up to you. Either you fit into that Pasuk, by choice, or you choose not to fit into that pasach. That's the version of Torah that we have down here, and ultimately that's what God wants us to live with. But in Nishvitz, as we've been talking about in the past couple of weeks, what we've been learning is that there are higher, there is a dimension of Torah, a primordial dimension of Torah, that is not the way, that's not the version of Torah as it already descends and fits into planet Earth, from our human perspective. Rather, that pasach of Zohar is a reality that is the, that is the that is the underpinnings of every Saturday for every single Jew. That is the mitzias of every single seventh day of the week for the Jewish people. That, that pasuk of Zachar And whatever you do, you're in that pasuk. So even though so there's the final version of that pasuk, which is dependent on you whether you are shaykh, whether you connect to that pasuk or not. But in the higher dimensions of that pasuk, it's a kolbide shemaim, it's completely in God's hands. There's nothing you can do to get out of it. So we've been talking about in last week how, yeah, and, 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 and that gives chizik, and, and there's no such thing as a Jew that's outside of Torah mitzvahs. But what the Yisrael seems to be telling us is, is that the poison of Amalek is very much connected to that truth. Because what Amalek does is, is he leans hard into that. And Amalek says, yeah, whatever you do, you're in the universe. of You heard that uh, last week from Zakatinsky So like, what's the issue? So just... Do whatever you want on the seventh day of the week, and you're good to go. It's you don't have any power. Where on a, on a, more, on a more deeper level, there is no bakhira. There is no bakhira. because once you understand that the universe that you're that the universe that you're the, 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 every single moment of your life is being created by a particular pasuk. So that, what time? So that's it. That's it. So I'm just gonna. I'm just, I am just a. I am just a a a passive, um, you know, uh, 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 observer. Of my of my own life, I'm just watching things pass me pass me by. I, there's nothing I can do to put myself in a particular. Amalek, Amalek believes completely in the primordial version of Tyra, and that's what Tyra is. And, Tyre, and Amalek seems to deny the final version of Torah, the final version of Tyra. the final version of Tyra is. So now this this is this is this is what Amalek seems to be saying is that Hakol b'Deshemai everything is God. And in an Torah itself, the, uh, it's, 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 uh, whatever is meant to be, whatever you're doing is clearly Ratz and Hashem anyway. That's the poison of Amalek. So our response to that is, no, no, no. We fight, we do, avoid, are avoid. But here's the problem. <clears throat> the problem is that in the writings of Ratzadik Tzaddik, a kind of Lublin, and it's hinted to already in the Yisbetzer himself. Ratzadik was one of the greatest students of the Yisbetzer. In the writings of Ratzadik, we find Amalek seems to be the opposite. Okay, not this approach. Take a look at Marmka number three. Again, uh, these are all parts of larger discussions in the writings of Upsaviq, but, but just a couple a couple lines. In Seferku Amar, on page one seventy seven, Upsavi writes the following line: "Amoiku Talis Pshita saltolpaim." Uh, yeah, I'll give, I'll give you a little bit of background just to appreciate what he's what he's saying over here. What Ratzalik R- over there is describing is a certain, uh, he says like this, Ratzalik says that what makes the Jewish, you know, one of the terms that the Jewish people have, one of the most uh, beautiful descriptions Hashem has for us is that we're called Tzain kachin, Hashem's holy flock, like sheep, right? And so Ratzalik explains that the nature of a sheep is that it just, it follows the shepherd, uh, if the shepherd says to go left, it'll go left. It, if, the, if the shepherd says, like, immediately a second later, go right, it'll go right. They'll do, they're, not, they're not stuck. A sheep is not stuck in any particular direction. It's fluid. It'll do whatever it wants. It's not stuck. Rabbi Tzavik says that's the greatest quality of the Jew, is that we're not stuck in any particular mehidah. We're not stuck in any particular mehidah. If the Rebbeinah wants us to be to do chesed, we'll do chesed. If the Rebbeinah then wants us to to uh, do something that would seem to be cruel, we'll do that too. The Rav wants us to jump, we'll jump. The Rabbanisha wants us to crawl, we'll, we'll crawl. We'll do it. We're, not, we're not stuck in any particular midah. You know, for example, when Hashem offered the Torah to Esav, right, so it's well known, Hashem says, you know, offers the Torah to Esav, and Esav says, what does it say in it? And the Rav says, it says, don't kill. Esav is like, it says, that's my opinion. So you want to tell me, don't wear is I can do that, but... But there are certain things that Esav is stuck in. He can't get out of that. He's stuck in that Pasuk of al uh, khabar Finished. He can't get out of it. Yishmol. What does it say in it? It says, I can't get out of that. So every nation, says Ratzadik, has its union that it's stuck with. It can't move from that particular thing except for the Jewish people. The Jewish people are not stuck in anything. We, can, we have the strength to get out of anything. Says Ratzadik, Amalek is similar to that. Amalek is similar to the Jewish people also, that they also have very strong, a, a very, very heavy dosage of self-control, of self-control, and they are not stuck in any particular media either. Amalek is a nation that doesn't have a particular identity. It's not like Lysinef is their, you know, is their kryptonite, or Lysigzol, or whatever. There, there, there is no particular aspect of life that Amalek says, I can't control that. Amalek is able to control, to become, he says like this, Amalek, utakhlis, therefore on the outside, a Amalek is the absolute greatest example of the pig that sticks its hose out to show that it's kosher. Because the greatest sign of a Jew being kosher is that, what, is that whatever, the, whatever you tell me to do, I'll find it within my strength to do it. And Amalek says the same thing. So what's the chilek? So what's the chilud? So he says a molek of gamkin shum is not bound by any kaiach at all. But so so what makes a molek a molek? in a of What a molek doesn't, what a isn't able to do, is to admit that that power that he has to overcome any obstacle is coming from the rabbanon shalom. That he can't let go of. That he can't let go of. So Amalik will be able to overcome any natural tendency he has. If, if he's born with a sense of, 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 of stinginess, he could force himself to be a Balzduqa. If he's born with a tendency of being lazy, he'll force himself to become a Zarez. He can do all of that just like a yid. But the one thing he can't let go of is the sense that he's that he's the one that's that's that 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 ability is itself coming from him. The difference between the Jewish person and the Malik is that the Jewish people are sheep. I mean, a sheep is able to go left, right, whatever whatever the shepherd wants, and the sheep recognizes that its ability to go left and right is also from the shepherd. That's what makes a Jew a Jew. A Malik also has the ability to go left and to go right, but he can't admit that that ability itself to go left and go right is coming from God. It's me, in other words. Where Rabbi Tzaddik is identifying Amalek is a what? And Amalek is Mamish Kaichivai Yadi. Amalek is so much about his own power and his own control. He's so much into his own power and control that he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to think of himself as stuck in any particular media. He wants to be able to say, and he does, and he has this ability of being able to overcome any particular thing within himself that he's stuck in. He's not stuck in anything. The problem with Amalek is is that he, that itself, that kach that he has, not to be stuck in anything, he attributes to his own power. But it's all about his own power. So here's the problem. I don't get it. The sir, the Rabbi, said that what, what's Amalek? Amalek is it's all the Rabbani Shloylam. You have no power at all. It's all God. And that's why our response to Amalek is fight and do something. But what's Amalek? Amalek is you have no power at all. It's all God to such a degree that there's no purpose of even getting out of bed. Yet, the the Talmud of the Ishmael is telling us what? Well, no, no, no. Amalek is the opposite. Amalek is so, uh, so, has so much willpower and so much self-control to, to, to a fault where he doesn't even, where he's not willing to, uh, to acknowledge even a little bit that his own willpower is coming from a higher place. That's how much about himself and, and how much control Amalek wants to have over himself. So which one is it? Is imamish, is Amalek the philosophy that there is no free will? It's all God? It's all the primordial version of Torah? Or is Amalek the opposite? It's completely me, and it's completely free will. And even my ability to to make choices is completely, it's all me. And I'm similar to the Jewish people in that way where I can mimic them, but also being not stuck in anything, but it's all because of me. It's not because God is allowing me and guiding me. It's all me, it's my... I'm not stuck in anything because I am the most because uh, I am God. So which one is it? Which one is it? Take a look at Maramak number four. <clears throat> Rav Tzadik also in Sefer Sisi Laila, page 20. He also <laughs> says a similar thing to what he what he said before. Sharish Amalek Shabbala. If you want to identify what is the poison of a malak in the heart, Hainu Heder akarsa A means not recognizing God's presence in your life. There is no God, it's all you. That's Amalek. And that's what the Chazal say, that as long as there's a Amalek in the world, ain't Hashem Shalim, and Chazar Shalom Sholem, Hashem's name is incomplete, his throne is incomplete, until Amalek is eradicated. In other words, Amalek means there is no God. You're in control of your own destiny, and you're not stuck in anything. You can do anything you want because you are the master of the entire universe. So, so I don't get it. So, you know, I said in the beginning, Amalek is a chameleon, but that's... Uh, you are know, talking about, so, but what is it? It's mamish, one extreme to the other. So you have a contradiction over here. Is Amalek what? Is Amalek, there is, all there is is God, or is Amalek, all there is is you? The answer is, the, the, this is an Nekudah, we find this in the writings of Ratzalik too. The nakuda of Amalek is the inability to accept two opposite realities at the same time. That's the Nekud of Amalek, meaning, take a look at Maramokka number five, you'll see what I mean. <clears throat> we start, again, the past couple weeks we've been talking about this, so you have the primordial version of Tyra. You know, let's, 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 let's make a point. The piece from the Ishbitzer where we talked about Mitzrayim versus Amalek raised a serious issue. <laughs> it did raise a serious issue. And it's been something that I haven't been really bringing out to the forefront the past couple of weeks, but now let's address it, which is, so, I mean, so which one is it? The, 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 the primordial versions of Tyre, right? So the Pasuk says, Okay, the way it reads to us means that it's now up to us to decide whether I'm living that Pasuk or not. If I keep Shabbos, then I'm living Zorch And if I don't keep Shabbos, God forbid, then I'm not living that Pasuk, Zorch That means there's such a thing as free will, there's repercussions for my actions, I can make a left and I can make a right, and there's a difference between left and right. Okay, but then there's primordial versions of that pusik, which means uh, that pasach means much more than just those words. That the, that, that pasach is creating the universe of the seventh day of the week, and no matter what you do on the seventh day of the week, it, you're part of that universe, which means, it's all God, and it's really completely irrelevant with what I do in terms of whether I'm connecting to that pusik or not. That's the pusik I'm living in. So... Okay, so we talked about this the past couple of weeks. That yes, this is all within. That's all true, and the Ratz and Hashem, the, and Hashem, the and Hashem wants us to be able to to live all the way down here on the final version. But let's let's but let's think about this for a second. So, but what's the reality? I mean, what's the truth? A- am I if a person, God forbid, is not living, you know, uh, that, uh, that literal the, the way it, the way it literally reads to us as if a person is not literally reading that, living that pasuk, so, so, it, so, it can, so it, do we have the ability to, to get out of the Torah or not? Like, which one is it? Is, is, is the world all God's universe? Or is it our universe? Talk of which one. Which one? So take a look at Maramaka number five. Now we're going to be introduced to a major principle in Ishbitz, which it might, might seem like a cop-out a little bit, but it's really not, which is that we're used to, you know, whenever there's a contradiction or, or a big kasha, we always want to be able to find an answer. But in Isvets, we have to be, we're introduced to this idea and we have to wrap our brains around it, which is that not every question mm. is able to be answered. And sometimes the is not answering the question, but sometimes the is being able to process and to handle the contradiction itself. Because there are certain things, because we're not God. And there's going to be limitations with what we can understand. And very often the question is not, what's the answer? The question is, okay, how do I live with the question? How do I live with this contradiction? Take a look at what Tzaddik writes. This is from (laughs) Kuntris (laughs) Sefer Hazich It's going to, again, you know, the first few lines might sound a little bit, uh, you know, against what we all need to believe, but he says like this, Vinei. from the perspective of the yichur what he calls the true unity, in other words, what we've been calling the primordial versions of Tyra, the higher dimensions of Tyra, what, what the Ishbetzer said, Amolek tries to convince you of that, it's all bidei Shemayim, then there's really no room for reward, punishment, there's no room for that. because that 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 domain is called Enamavada. There is nothing but God. There is nothing. Every single second of the seventh day of the week is pulsating wazakh regardless of what you're doing. Whatever you do is a, is is somehow in that in that pasuk. It has to be because that's the universe that you're living in. and from that perspective everything you do must be connected with God's will. So that's everything that that's how called Shemai. Makim. But says Ratzadik, but the truth is, nevertheless, Gamza Emes. But we also believe Shah that 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 we, we've been given uh, we've been given power. And free choices within our ability. Which means that, none, that that's not true. It's not Edom Bavada. For Davra Zayisara Torah, you have to believe in free will because otherwise there's no Yiddishkeit either. V'omnam. Okay, so you have a big contradiction over here. and Ramiti How those two realities, the final version of our Torah, which ultimately is what God wants us to live with, right? The Kotzka dancing in the middle of the circle. And the higher versions of Torah, which is the circle itself. How they come together, Amuk is incredibly deep to understand in And with all the efforts that the, the, the Chacham of all generations have put in to try to figure out the answer to this riddle, free will versus preordained reality, all the answers that you'll come up with, well, God knows what you're going to choose. Well, they're not answers at all. To, when, if you truly understand and appreciate what it means, what it means, the higher dimensions, what it means, the world as it exists in God's domain. It, it, there, there is no way for the human mind to comprehend how these two things to come together. But here is the Nakuda of Amunas Yisrael. This is the greatness of Amunas Yisrael, is that we're willing and able to bear opposite realities at the same time without being able to understand how, we're able to be on two sides of the fence at the same time. That is, ultimately, when, when the ish are said that the Jewish people are described, also, the Jewish people are described as holy sheep, the greatest quality of a sheep is not what the master is saying, go left, and then he goes left. And the master says, okay, now go right, to go right. Okay, that's a very nice sheep. The, the Jewish people are called holy sheep because we can go left and right at the same time. I mean. it means at the very same time, we can say, Shema Yisrael which means all there is is God, and everything is Ratz and Hashem. I have no power at all. And then, Baruch and this is Hashem's kingdom, and I'm a soldier, and I'm a servant, and I have to accomplish. I thought a second ago, you just said, Shema Yisrael. Are you saying Baruch Shem now? And altogether, that's called Kabbalah Sallamah HaShemayim. That's the unique quality of the Jewish people. The, the deepest thing that we can say about God is that he's nice, that God bears opposites. God is not just not just smarter than anyone else. The, 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 the entire way that the Rabbani Shalom uh, manifests in creation is, is, is of opposites. At the same time, at the same moment, there's mazaltovs and, and Emesis. In the same moment, there's no bechirah and yes bechirah. At the same moment. And that is the strength of the Jewish people to be able to handle that. The core of a molek, what's the nekud of a molek? The nekud of a is the, is the inability to accept that. The inability to accept that there are contradictions in my life that I don't have the answers to, and yet they're both true at the same time. A molek can't do that. A molek is the tumma that is unwilling to let go of logic itself. And therefore, Amalek always is making this choice. Either I'm going to say it's all God, and sometimes that's Amalek, the term of Amalek can manifest in such a way, or, like that's how that's how the Ishmael described Amalek in its first attack, it's all God, or Amalek will then say, okay, fine, either it's the Bireh, or it's the Nivra. And so sometimes it'll be, I'm in control. I can. I, I'm not stuck in anything, and it be, because because I'm in control, because I'm God. Which one is it? Is is, is it all the birat or is it all the nivra? The answer is a, a mole, the, the core of a molik is the inability of accepting both at the same time. They can't handle that. The inability of being able to let go of logic itself. They can't do that. That's the tum of a molek. Let's go back to what we started with. When 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 the are explained that the Yontif of Purim, the Golas of Purim, the Golas of Haman, ultimately came from a Tsaras Ayan. So what does Tsaras Ayin? What does stinginess mean? So when it's when it's simple Paras, simple Persia Tsaras Ayin means this is my money, not yours. This is my money, not yours. But when it's um, when it's when a Molek is wearing that glove of Persia, when the Tsaras Ayin is now when, the, when the, the Persian stinginess and constrictiveness and, and withholding is being wielded by a malek, what it becomes is a much more subtle and sophisticated withholding, which means either on my side of the fence of, of Nivra, that I am God, or on your side of the fence, and it's all God. But I can't be both. I can't share. You understand? Sharing over here doesn't just mean money. That's simple. A Amalek is a more sophisticated question of whether you're sharing. Are you willing to share your own power? Because to share to ayin doesn't mean just to give everything away. Toves ayin means I'm sharing, just like Mishlech Manas I'm sharing my wealth with other people. Which means I'm not giving everything away, I still have my own Suda but I'm, I'm, I'm sharing my suddha with other people. So what does it mean to share in Purim? Sharing in Purim means I'm willing to say at the same time yes, I am I have Bechira, I have free choice, I have to make my own decisions in life, and I have to bear the repercussions of that. Zohar Siyam means I have to keep Shabbos, and if I don't fit into that Pesach, I'm in big trouble. But at the very same time, I'm willing to share that power with the and acknowledge and admit that somehow, in a mysterious way, the Rabbanu Shlilam was also in charge. I, how do those things go together? I don't know. But I know what it looks like in in, Havay, in, in practicality. What it looks like in practicality is a Jew that's absolutely motivated to do the right thing always, but is not judgmental of others and is always humbled at the same time with being part of this big universe that the Rabbanish created. Again, it's not something you could explain intellectually, but it's something that you can feel and as a Jew, you could you could live with of sharing your power. Not to give up your power and not to have to make that choice of who's in control? Is it me or is it him? It's both. And that's and that's okay. And that's what part that that's, that, that's the, the difference between Amalek and the Jewish people, is this Nakuda of do you have to make that choice? Do you have to make that choice? Amalek says it's either one or the other. Like, either it's the Rabbani Shalom's world, in which case it makes completely, it's completely irrelevant what you do with your life, or it's completely your world, and it's irrelevant what the Rabbani Shalom is doing in your life. And the Jewish people say, no, it's both. I'm willing to share. I'm willing to share that power. It makes a big difference what I do. But at the same time, the Rebunshel is also in charge. Again, intellectually speaking, how do those fit? I don't know. Because I'm only a human being. But what does that look like? How does that manifest? Well, we saw already last week what it, what it manifests as. What it looks like emotionally is a person that's doing tshuva which means a person is returning to Hashem, obviously because they want to live a life of zocher shabbos As it reads, as to the human beings, but he's but he's inspired to do tshuva and he's pushing himself to do tshuva because deep down he believes that ultimately he never really left zocher shabbos Right? That's what we talked about. That tshuva itself, as the Yisrael said, is, a, is is an expression of these two worlds. Of at the same time, I'm doing tshuva because I want to return to that simple reading of the pasuk, but I'm confident that my tshuva will be accepted. And I'm willing to face my failures and I'm not overwhelmed by guilt because ultimately there's a part of me which knows that the Rabbanu was in charge of my whole life anyway and everything I did was included in that plastic to begin with. A Amal can't make sense of that because that's a contradiction. If you believe that you've always been in that with Pesach, then why are you doing tshuva? And if you believe that you weren't in that posseq and that's why you're doing tshuva, yeah. how could you possibly face the Rabbanu Shleilam and, and, and face your own, uh, your, your own rebelliousness? Sa'molah so can't make that choice. The, the Jewish people are able to share. We're able to share. We're able to acknowledge that, yes, I have power and the Rabbanu Shlilam has power. What does that mean? I don't know. But what it does to me is that it gives me the ability to do tshuva. That's what it means. That's what it means, and so this is the Nakud of Purim. That's what Purim is. Therefore, as a res- the, when when <clears throat> when the Jewish people made that mistake when they fell into the into the into the tomb of Haman and the klep of Persia again, the the Amalek version of Paras, which means a a much more subtle and sophisticated and spiritual stinginess. It meant that the Jewish people were falling to this trap of. The first business was destroyed. We've been in Guls for 70 years. Mashiach isn't coming yet. I guess we're outside of these... So we're outside of Tyre Finished. We can't do tshuva. And, 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 and this is... And that... The lack of confidence that the Jewish people felt in... like if, Again, the whole story of Purim, all of the mistakes that the Jewish people made that led to Haman's rise were all lack of confidence, right? The Jewish people go to the meal of Achashverosh. Why? How could we not? How could we not? We're stuck. we They bowed down to the statue of, Nuh- of, Nuh- of, Nuh- of Nebuchadnezzar. How could we not? It's all, what do you mean, how could you not? Uh, what does that mean? Because they're, they're saying, listen, it used to be, yeah, our grandparents were tzaddikim. So our grandparents, uh, you know, they, they would not eat by the suit of But we're not, uh, we're not holding by such things. It's all coming from this from this lack from this yish. Like we talked about last week, there's a yish that that comes in when you don't believe in the primordial versions of Tyre. So if you don't believe, if you believe that 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 Yutaka are, are are outside of kedusha, outside of Yiddishkeit, then yeah, you might as well go to the meal of Achashir Eshani. What's enough? The whole the whole tuma of Gal's, of Gol's paras that led to Haman's rise was the Jewish people's, like okay, yeah, we're, we're outside, we're outside of Yiddishkeit. So, and and that comes from the the clip of a So, therefore, say, says says the Yisrothzer. This is the Nakuda. The, the, the Yontif of Purim is the celebration of what of Adlo The celebration of Purim is nicey to, to get the Jewish people out of their rut, right, means the Jewish people have to do tshuva. But and, and that means we have to start, you know, waking up and doing tshuva and not going to the mills of whatever that means in your in, in your life. But the way to do that is that you have to be. You have to share power. So on the one hand, you have to believe that I have to do tshuva. And you then also have to believe that I can do tshuva because I was never really so messed up. And so the, these two opposites is what allows the Jewish people to properly accept their failures and move along, move ahead. And that's exactly what's going on. But a Mulik, Amalek, like the Pusik says, they stop us in that path of the ability of being able to travel and traverse and to connect two opposite places. A Amalek stands in the road and makes a blockade. It's either this side or it's that side. But that's, that's the, the antidote is not like that. And that's why you find an interesting thing <clears throat> when it comes to the Megillah that Mordechai is constantly traveling and running back and forth between two places. He's constantly running from the palace to Ir Shushan, where everyone lives, and he's running from Ir Shushan to the palace, constantly back and forth, standing outside the palace, walking back and forth. There's a lot of movement, there's a lot of traveling. And so the, the sight of that is this Inyan, is that the whole Kedush of Mordechai, the whole Indian of Purim, our victory over Haman, our ability to as Mordechai does go, go out and he screams and he motivates tshuva and he gives out tzach and he brings the Jewish people to do tshuva is by traveling these two, this road and coming back and forth between that world of Eina that world of you never left Shabbos and the world of you got to do something to get back into Shabbos. And by bridging, by accepting those two realities and by allowing those two realities to emerge emotionally as a deep confidence in oneself and a motivation to tshuva, Mordechai brings us out of Haman's jurisdiction. So again, this is the nekuda, is that like the essence of what Amalek is becomes clear when it's in the levush, when it's in the garments of paras, when it's the empire of Persia whose Indian is stinginess in its very obvious and very um, uh, unsophisticated form of these are my toys, this is my money, I'm not sharing, I'm not sharing, all these women are mine, I'm not sharing it with anyone else, which is very, very low and very, very base and very simple. When Amalek comes and becomes the, uh, the, the advisor of Persia, when Amalek wears the glove of Persia, then all of a sudden <clears throat> the stinginess becomes a much more spiritual and subtle stinginess of not sharing power between the human being and God, and that's and it's through the lens of the stinginess of Persia <clears throat> that we're able to truly pinpoint and get a clear picture of what Amalek really is, and that's what Amalek really is: is this blockade in the road of not being able to be on both sides of the fence and not being able to be in two places at once, stopping the Jewish people from having that <clears throat> either not that we don't have to do tshuva or that we can't do tshuva. Ultimately leading in us not doing tshuva. And this is why Mordechai says to Esther, and Mordechai also talking to Esther speaks with sort of both sides. He says to Esther, you know, the you know, Esther and Malka could have easily felt very low and very down. Like, you know, listen, what did I do in my life to deserve such a thing that I'm in the palace of Ahasuerus? But Mordechai says, Esther, mm-hmm. The Rebbe is in charge. He brought you here. The holiness of Mordechai, the chizok of Mordechai is, The Rebbe is in charge. He's going to take care of things. It's all Be'ad Hashem. But at the same time, Mordechai says, And therefore, Do something. So the whole Inyan of Purim is the Jewish people doing unbelievable shtadlis, Esther being meister nefesh, Mordechai being meister nefesh, everyone doing, but at the same time believing that what they're doing is completely irrelevant, because it's all Yad Hashem. So which one is it? Are you doing or are not doing? The answer is it's not the Yad. The whole of Purim is both, is both, is bring the two together. So that's the simch of Purim. The simch of Purim is to the Jewish people's ability to let go of logic, to let go of of the, the 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 structures of logic in our mind of either this or that, the, the humility of being able to be not just sheep that follow the directions, but even sheep that are able to follow conflicting directions at literally the same time, and that's the sight of Adel Yada. And we should be to uh, to be able to embrace the contradictions and and uh, allow these realities to meld within the Jewish heart. To produce real tshuva and real change in a, in a holy and authentic way. Okay, shakai.